Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hi, everyone. This is Eleni, your executive producer at Where Brains Meet Beauty podcast. I am so excited to share more about our headline event partner, Beauty Connect. We love this innovative event, which will be held in Los Angeles this November 2nd and 3rd. Beauty Connect has united decision makers and disruptors across beauty, wellness, and personal care for the last nine years. This is your heads up that you have two more weeks to save $200 when you register in the early bird timeframe, which closes on September 30th. Also get excited because the beauty and wellness indie brand spotlight finalists will be announced in two weeks. For more information, check out beautyconnectwest.com and use our code BASE10 for an additional 10% off your registration fee. You won't want to miss the insights and the introductions you will make at this event. I will be chairing one of the tracks in person, so please reach out if you'd like to connect before. Hi, Esperanza. Hi, Jody. How are you today? I'm so excited for our listeners to jump into this episode. It's a big one. It really is a big one. We were super excited to have these guests on. So I want to um, take people down the path of how we made this episode happen. The publicist for Color Wow reached out and asked if um, Gail Federici, who founded the brand, the CEO, if could be on the show. And I said, I love Gail. I know she's major in hair. Is she by any chance also a professional hairstylist? You know, maybe I thought early in her career, maybe she... Um, went to school for this. And the publicist said, no, I'm like, well, we're, we have an artistry theme. It would be amazing if we could have her on the artistry theme. We just need an artist. So they decided let's do this as a, um, a two-pack gal with the creative director of the brand, Chris Appleton, who's like a super, super major, 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 well-known and talented hairstylist. So this was a real feat of the publicist getting this job done. And we want to thank her. Absolutely. Thank you, Jackie. You're the best. So um, I have to say, Esperanza, I was crazy nervous <laughs> before this episode. I know. You were talking about it, and I could feel your nerves, and I could feel the nerves, my own nerves as well, you know. Even just for the tech check, it was scary to, to talk to these two really iconic people. Yes. And there's only been one other time when I felt this nervous. It was the first time we did our live podcast recording and networking events at Saks Fifth Avenue. We used to have these quite frequently before COVID. And it was the first time I was doing it. So it was really the first time I was ever on a stage with the podcast. So all of it was brand new. Like doing this live was brand new. Doing this with Saks was brand new. Doing it with whatever technology we had at the time was brand new. And my guest, um, I was super intimidated by her. Her name is Taryn Toomey. She's a very major fitness person and inspirational figure. And I had that same kind of feeling like tingles all up and down my arms. But um, this time, once Gal and Chris started talking, my nerves actually like dissipated very quickly because they were lovely and easy to talk to. Absolutely. I feel like they were super sweet, super kind and very, you know, down to earth and real. I loved hearing you know, Chris was talking all about his very normal life um, and his very normal pleasures. And I, I just love that. Well, then let's let people get into this episode. Absolutely. So it's my pleasure to introduce uh, Gail Federici, CEO of Federici Brands, and Chris Appleton, celebrity hairstylist and global creative director of Color Law. Uh, enjoy episode 217.
Well, welcome back, everyone, to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Today, we're continuing our artistry theme with a very exciting duo from Color Wow Hair. Our first guest in this pair is an industry veteran and beauty mogul. She launched some of the most iconic products over the last 30 years. So if you've ever styled your hair, there's a huge chance you've experienced her innovation. As co-founder and CEO of John Frieda Pro Hair Care, her and her team forever changed the beauty industry landscape through their unique perspective approach to hair care. After selling John Frieda, she moved on to found Federici Brands, the parent company of her award-winning Color Wow. It's a hair care company that TikTok can't stop raving about. It's my pleasure to introduce Gail Federici, CEO of Federici Brands. Hi, nice to be here. I'm so glad you're here, but you're not alone. Um, so I'm also excited to introduce our second guest from Los Angeles to New York and London to Paris. He's known for his work as a world-renowned conceptual hairstylist. You've seen his work featured everywhere, <laughs> like literally everywhere. The list is so long. Um, he's behind the trend-setting styles of the most iconic celebrities of this time. Please welcome Chris Appleton, celebrity hairstylist and global creative director of ColorWow. Oh, hey. Thank you for being here. So um, before we jump into our show, and we to fo totally focus on career journey, so we're not uh, the tips and tricks um, type of show, but we're really focused on journey. I do have to ask a question that's a little out of the ordinary. Um, Chris, on your Instagram today, you showed yourself bungee jumping and skydiving. So now I'm wondering, how did you spend your time this weekend? Oh, this weekend was very different. Um... Can you guys, sorry, I, I keep, it keeps going. Uh, Did we lose Chris? So, Gail, I'm going to ask you while we wait for Chris. Okay, so um, I'm wondering, did you go bungee jumping or the equivalent this weekend? Let me tell you, that would be the last thing you would ever find me doing. I think he's out of his mind. Parachuting and bungee jumping, never in a million years would I do it. I think my speed this weekend was uh, pickleball and swimming. And I tried cold plunging also for the first time. Um, but that's the extent of my adventure this weekend. I went to a Barry Manilow concert. Oh, nice. He's amazing. He's incredible. Oh, I was, he is incredible. Yeah, I was literally crying, like letting tears run oh. down my face because, he, number one, he's, you know, such his voice is just dreamy incredible mm -hmm. so smooth his storytelling is beautiful i heard that he's written so many commercials that hasn't he that it's shocking i didn't ever realize the first time i saw him in concert he was doing something i had no idea right these really famous jingles the band-aid jingle i'm stuck on band-aid yeah. brand and band-aid stuck on yes. me um the state farm commercial like a good neighbor state farm is there he, he wrote that jingle um, and I just love his storytelling and his voice is so strong. He had his microphone actually really low, like by his like rib cage. And I was like, oh, we're, I'm not going to be able to hear him is what I was thinking. Like, why won't the man hold the microphone up? He did not need it any higher. His voice is booming. Wow. It just projects. Yes. And I turned to the person I was with and I said, I I'm so glad that we're here. And how could we not have come to this? It's, it's magical. Where was it? In New Jersey at the Prudential Center. Oh, wow. I haven't seen him in concert in so many years. Um, well, you know, I just didn't want to miss it. Yeah. Right? And I don't know when there'll be another one. Well, that right? Mandy song of his was all over TikTok. Did you see it with that kid? Hi, guys. I'm what? back. I'm sorry. I couldn't hey, hear anything you were saying when you, when you started talking. So sorry if I... Chris, um, we're just talking about Barry Manilow and how awesome he is. Who's that? Come on. Barry Manilow. Oh, guys. I have no idea who you're talking about. But uh, <laughs> I remember you said, what did I do this weekend? And I didn't do anything for the first time in a long time, which was really nice. That was kind of a novelty to me. I feel like I'm always doing something. So I just enjoyed my house and was just a bit lazy. I worked out and just kind of enjoyed hanging out with the kids and just being dad and being lazy and, I don't know, having fun. I took my daughter shopping, um, talked about life stuff. It was a really nice weekend. Just relaxed. That is unusual. Um, so, Chris, when you're at home, when you do have that rare weekend of actually doing nothing, is there any binge watching happening? <laughs> no, I don't really watch TV, interesting. I'm not, I'm not a TV person. Um, I don't know why. I just, I just don't, I find it very difficult to get engaged in it. It feels, um, I, I should do it more. I know it's like kind of like, I'm just relax and watch TV. But me just being at home, pottering around the house was a, was a development for me because I'm normally just, I can't really sit still. 
Um, but I've kind of learned the importance of like sometimes just being present and just being in the moment, you know. Not, I, I mean, I was like, oh, let's go Six Flags. Let's, and then I was like, no, let's just... Actually, it wasn't very well. I had a bit of a cold. And I was like, you know, maybe I just need to chill out. <clears throat> Which, again, as Gail knows, I'm not really that great at that. I just like... <laughs> to feel like I'm living. Um, but sometimes li living is just being present and in the moment as well. It's not always yes. being on a roller coaster or jumping off an aeroplane, mm -hmm. you know? No. Um, yeah, well, for me, sometimes living is just watching The Real Housewives. And that makes me so happy in that moment, like that that's what I need. Oh, yeah. that's cute. I like a good binge watch myself <laughs> periodically. I don't watch too much TV, but I like to binge some Netflix and some uh, Amazon Prime and all that. Everything in moderation. Um, so let's jump into the topic of our show, which is all about career journey. And we brought you both together on this artistry theme because I thought it'd be so fun for our listeners to learn about the backstory and what happens behind the scenes in your partnership. Um, but first, we're going to start at the very beginning. This is my favorite question since we talk about career journey. Gail, think back to your 11-year-old self. What do you want to be when you grow up? You know, I had absolutely no idea when I was 11, but I loved putting shows on in the neighborhood. Oh, Gail, make, make it I up. I am. I'm not Come making on. it up. This <laughs> Give is, us a story. No, you just cut me off. Of course, I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> I said to everyone, Give I have that. something Give to say that. here, Chris Appleton. <laughs> <laughs> because I was okay, I was putting shows on in the neighborhood and I thought basically I was casting for all sorts of different like Broadway shows that we would put on in the neighborhood and I always thought I wanted to go into entertainment is what I thought at uh, 11. And when you were 11 did you think you were the star of the show or were you the producer of the show? I produced the show but I also starred in it. <laughs> but I knew, but I knew that was not a good idea after my first performance. But yeah, I liked producing. Um, and Chris, I still do. Uh, your your eleven year old self, close your eyes. What was your dream? Oh, I knew I was going to do hair. I, I, I was doing it when I was like nine years old. I used to do my mom's hair as a kid. I used to pay my younger sister, poor thing. Uh, for me to cut her hair or, or do stuff to it. She got my first pair, whatever. I put some marigolds on for protection, not sure why. Thought I was being professional and I cut her hair with kitchen scissors, like in a bob. And if anyone knows anything about hair, the hardest haircut you can really do is a bob to get it symmetrical. And I think she ended up with like this asymmetrical thing. And I remember at night, she was only, she was only like six. And I remember like seeing her in bed that night. I was like, I went in the room to look at it and she was asleep and <laughs> she looked like she, she looked like she'd come out of a, I don't know what she'd like, she'd come out of, but I remember thinking, oh God, you can really make people look bad when you don't give them a good haircut. Uh, and then, you know, the result of that also was that I used to do my mum's hair, that, and, and when she stood up, I've said this story a lot, but it, it really resonates that when she stood up and looked in the mirror, I really noticed the difference in her, because she was a working mum of five. You know, she had a rough life, she had a tough life, and she got a lot to her family. And I realized that when I did her hair, I could somewhat make her feel like a different person, or at least make her feel like she wasn't, you know, just a working woman five. And her shoulders would go back and she'd stand taller. And that for me was almost, I don't know, it felt like a superpower. It felt like something I could give back and, and, and um, making people happy was just really, um, really, I don't know, rewarding for me. And then I remember the first day in the salon, I was 13, I remember someone walking in and her shoulders was down and her hair was like scraped back. She had a coat on, it was cold in England and she had her hair done and it, she was kind of blown out. And when she walked back, I swear her shoulders were sort of back and she looked like more confident. And I saw that a lot throughout my career. And whether it was a cancer patient or, you know, just, someone that wanted to look good. Um, I don't know, I just, for me, it was always such a rewarding experience. It still is now. So really, my 11-year-old self still feels the same way. A lot of people stop me now. It, it's funny, all of some people think I'm successful, whatever that means. And it, it's funny, because I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I am now. Like, but it's funny, because I still just do what I always did, which is just like to make people look and feel good. And I guess you forget them, very famous women, you know, because you almost become not, you know, it, 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 you know, you become, you know, I don't see Kim as Kim Kardashian that everyone sees, or J-Lo as Jennifer Lopez, you know, I, I see them as real women that, what you know, I'm making them, it's, it's a process of sort of creating something, and, you know, I guess you forget that when they go out, the whole world is watching. 
Um, and I kind of like that I'm still a little, not naive to that, because obviously I do know on a bigger scale, but I kind of like that in my head, I don't look at it that way. I don't do it for that. I don't do it for that, like, attention of everyone and what they think. I really do it because I like making that one person feel great, you know? Well, thank you for sharing those stories. So, um, okay, we're going to... Um, you know what's really yeah. interesting, just before we Tell move me. on, is you just asked me a question that no one's asked me before, which is, oh, my sister's on this, Louise. Hi, Louise. Um, she's the one that I get the bad haircut to. So, um, her props to her. Um, I would like to have known Gail when I was 11. I mean, there's a lot of years between us in age. I'm very young. Um, yeah, I'm very so, old. But if we did... <laughs> I'm glad you pointed it out. <laughs> No, Gail, you look amazing. No, but seriously, I would love to have known, like, you when I was 11. Like, imagine you doing what you do and I doing what I do. I'd just love to have seen that, like, childhood. Because it's funny, because when we're together, we are a bit like totally. two kids in the way that totally. you and stuff. Or, you know, the, 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 the innocence of it all. It, it always feels very organic and very kind of fun. And we're always laughing or bringing that, you know, we're kind of backwards and forwards. And it's kind of a chaos, but a, a real amazing creative one so yeah I think it would have been really fun to know you at that age although maybe maybe we bring out the child in each other and I think that's a really healthy thing because sometimes life is so heavy you get so stuck in a routine and that's what I love about working with girl is like she's not afraid to she always wants to do something different she always wants to do something fresh like she gets as bored as I do she's like you know what what is new what's fresh what's in you know what's kind of you know what do people want what, what, what what's fresh and I, I, I like that I think it's a especially in the industry we are in and in the world that we're in now with Instagram and TikTok, people want to see new things all the time. They want to see new technologies. They want to see better technologies and they want it right away, you know? Well, Chris, you um, helped me host here because you segued beautifully to our next question, which I'll ask Gal. How did you meet Chris? You know, I, I always liked working with a creative partner with a stylist. So, you know, when I was working with John, it was the perfect arrangement. I like to bounce ideas off someone who is creative and who has the same aesthetic and the same overall vision for where they want to go. So I had, when we started Color Wow, I wanted to find that person that could be my partner's sounding board. Um, and it's, and that helps with the fun of working. Like Chris said, like we like to challenge each other. We like to make things look different. We like make to make people feel good. And that's what our company is all about, problem solution. It's trying to help women. So I spent a lot of time because the chemistry has to be right between the two of you. And your aesthetic has to be the same. So I had looked at so many books. People were bringing me portfolio. I was going online, trying to find somebody for years, several years. And then I saw this book. At, someone brought me and they said, do you know who Chris Appleton is? I said, I have no idea. Let me see the portfolio. So they said, well, he's doing Rita Ora and he's from the UK. So I looked at his book and I tend to always look to see runway a lot of times because you can't um, photo, you know, do any, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Photoshopping of the runway, really. It's real, what they look like. So I tend to go there first and Often I'll see hair that's not even close to the editorial hair. But with Chris, every single type of shot was perfect. And it had an, an edge, but, a, but it, was, it was edgy rock and roll, but so incredibly well executed. I mean, he had such an attention for de I mean, detail and he just executed everything to my taste perfectly. And I said, who is this guy? We have to talk to him. So we had this interview. It was, I think, in 2016. And he, and he didn't know me, obviously, from Adam. And I did not know him. And I've talked to him. And he was as hilarious. He was totally himself, which he is. He would sort of make jokes and poke fun at me and he didn't even know me at all oh yeah do you remember what i said to you the first thing i said to you yes i said do you know who you remind me of i don't know if any of the one in anyone in the um questions can i do can can guess yes. she reminded me of a it's from a film it's a movie a very well-known movie and she's a bit of a boss so i'm thinking oh 
<laughs> I didn't. She says who? She says oh who? She says who? Who? Yes. <laughs> and I says uh, Meryl Streep in Devil Wears Prada. But he meant the character, yeah. not that I was like Meryl Streep. <laughs> he meant the character, and I just had to laugh because I thought that is hilarious that he would say that to me, like right off the bat. But anyway, we decided, well, let's work together for six months and see how it goes. And then it's just kept on ever since then. That was 2000. One of my jobs before owning my own business was being the assistant to the editor-in-chief of um, Cosmo and then Glamour. It's tough, that business. I mean, I didn't know how to take care of myself at that age. And I had to, you know, basically have the job of taking care of someone else, you know, and it was, um, I was not, I was not made for it. Not cut out for that. So this is so great that, you know, this all started with a portfolio. It's um, six years now, if I'm right with the timing. Yeah, mm-hmm. six years. So when um, when you first saw that book, Gail, influencer marketing looked a lot different than six years ago. It was like a million years ago in this space. Yeah. So you were really looking to Chris as an artistic partner. As an artistic partner and to help with development of products. Because he, he just, he knew products, actually, better than anybody else I've ever known. And I've worked with so many people over the years. And it amazed me about Chris, as we worked together, the amount of product he used and how it always made the hair look better and better, which is an art. Because if you're using too much product, typically, the hair starts to go where you don't want it to. It starts to get too greasy or too stiff or whatever. But he is like an architect. You know, he builds on things. And I've never seen anybody work with hair the way Chris does, never. And so it was really interesting to me. And I remember his first trade show. And I had been to so many trade shows over the years. I wrote a book with Dwight Miller for haircutting. I wrote something with John on styling. I thought, been there, done that, got the T-shirt. I don't want to go to Chris's first show. Even though I love Chris, I thought, oh, you know, I've been to so many. Anyway, just, you know, supporting Chris, I went, and the distributor, I went. And I am telling you, this is no lie, I was mesmerized. The way he talked about what he did was so fresh and so different that I honestly learned a lot through that. And I didn't think, not that I think, you know, I know everything, but I've just seen so many people do hair over the years and was in education at one point. It was really incredible, his approach and the way he, it's not only his eye, there's something very architectural about the way he does things. It's a real fine art form, I think, the way Chris approaches hair. Chris, Chris when you by go the, back... By the way, this is <laughs> really quite a... Groundbreaking moment to hear Gail speak so highly of me because honestly, you would never say it. She likes to treat me mean, keep me keen kind of attitude. She's like, Well, you could do better. I'm like, Oh, okay, I'll go out there and do better. I'm just lapping it up. So, Chris, um, we go back six years to um, when she called you for that meeting and then started a, a short term partnership with you. Mm-hmm. What, did you what did you think you were going to get out of that um, partnership at that time? No idea. I remember, okay, so my story is this. I worked, I started at the age of 13 in a salon. I started doing hair and I really loved it because I liked making people look and feel good. I worked through the salon and I just always had this ambition to be good, be better, be proved that I was enough to myself, to others. I don't know where that came from. I did that in the salon and kind of reached the top price level. And then I was like, what's next? And I'm like, oh, there's this thing called fashion and like editorial hair. So I was like, oh, let me go off and do the shows. So I was going to do fashion week. So I did all the fashion week shows. And then I started doing editorials with like, you know, doing photo shoots and how the concept of, you know, hair for, you know, a salon would last six weeks. That's how long someone would run it last. Where for a show, it lasts six minutes. Or for an editorial, it was like, editorial is very different hair to real hair. Editorial would be like one piece of hair laying across the, you know, it's not like real life hair. But it's all just different concepts of hair and different visions of how it works. And I, I really just didn't love um, learning it. I was on a shoot one day and a makeup artist worked with Rita Ora and she's like, Rita's looking for a new hairdresser. And I was like, oh, I, I, I'd, I'd love to do it. Anyway, cut forward two years. I stayed with her for two years. I remember I had a call from JLo's team for uh, the opportunity to work with her in Vegas when she just started the show. And I was like, how does JLo know who I am? It's this guy from Northern England. 
And <clears throat> I thought it was a nice compliment, but probably it wouldn't happen. Anyway, I got another email another time from that team, and I was like, well, maybe I need to be there, maybe I need to be there, maybe I can do this. So I literally finished working with Rita Ora on the 23rd of December for The X Factor. She was going off to do a film for six months, which you know I didn't need to do. And I was like, I'm just going to do it. So I packed two suitcases. I had a fully furnished apartment in the UK, in London, in Angel. It, I just decked it all out. It was all nice. I took as much as I could, which was two big duffel bags of stuff, went to America and didn't go back. Um, I didn't work for the first four months. And I was very nervous because I was like, oh my God, I was hoping this was going to happen. But then I guess this was all simultaneous and I, I'm really a big, I'm, I'm, I'm a big thumbs up with social media and I know people have different ideas of social media and we can get into that later and I, I respect both. But for me, I'm a guy, British, from a small town in Northern England with a dream and I just wanted to do what I loved and, you know, J-Lo, world-renowned pop star, seemed to know who I was. And I had to be like, well, where, how did she know? And it was just through social media. People look, it doesn't matter. People don't necessarily follow me. This is what I say to people all the time. Like, people are always so inquisitive. Like, click, oh, her hair looks good. Who does her hair? Like, who does her makeup? Oh, I love her, I love that clothes. Who, who's that photographer? Those images are amazing. Like, we're just all so inquisitive when we just end up on different people's pages. And the world, it made the world a smaller place. And I know for a fact, if we didn't have social media, I wouldn't be in America. I wouldn't be talking to you right now. And this relationship wouldn't have happened. So it was around that first sort of period of time, maybe I just started working with Christine Aguilera on The Voice, and I think I'd done Ariana Grande, I, I can't remember, but it was, I was relatively new to America. So everything first felt very big and very new, and I got the call from Gail and, and they wanted to talk to me, and you know, it just felt very organic. It was like we all now was laughing with each other, and I was saying she looked, you know, she was like Meryl Streep, and she was not sure what to say. You know, it was just kind of like this kind of, backwards and forwards energy and it, it just always seemed to click and I, I think a lot of people you know say to me oh you've been with Colo for a long time is this your product and you know how come you stayed with them and honestly I, I think I'm a really loyal person to good things and I think not only working with Colo is it a great product and I really believe in it but also they're really good people and at the heart of it it's a good family of people that really you know want to give back to people and solve problems, solve hair problems, real hair problems, you know. And, and, and for me, I think that authenticity is what made our relationship just blossom. Because I'm really the same. I mean, a lot of people see my social media and they'll make an assumption of me of like, okay, he, plays phone, he pay, posts famous women, he posts hot pictures of himself. Like everything looks pretty hot and perfect, but I'm not stupid, I can see it, you know, but that's just a, a very small, tiny part of really who I am, that's just a, a, a you know, I'm the hairdresser with the blonde hair and, you know, works out and has great clients, so, but beyond all of that, really, is a lot more of a wholesome, I, I don't like going to, you know, bougie parties, I'd rather stay at home and have dinner with my kids and do like what I did this weekend, and I think really that's what you know, girl and the team alike. It's, it's just, it's, it's real stuff, it's real life. It's about solving real problems and helping real women. And it's like, it doesn't matter if you're not J-Lo, we'll show you how to be a part, how to look like that. Or this, this, is, this is quite simple. These are the products you're using, this is the technique. And I think we just tried to break it down from something that felt unattainable to actually being attainable and like, oh, I can have hair like that. I can have waterproof hair. I can have like super shiny hair. My hair's not shiny, you know, we, just try to sort of solve problems and, and give hair hacks and even the way Gail's moved with like TikTok and into <clears throat> giving back. Like we give away so much free content. Like you can charge for this. I could do, we could do masterclasses and stuff, but it's all free. I'm like constantly giving hair hacks and techniques to make people look and feel better on a daily basis. And I think that for me is, I don't know, it just feels good on a daily. It feels good. It's never felt forced. It's never felt like I'm trying to sell a product or... It's always just felt really organic, I, and so I feel really looking I, I, I do too. I feel like we are motivated by the same thing. You know, I think we both work hard. Our team works really hard. And what motivates us is really making a difference. Like Chris said right from the beginning with his mother, it's rewarding to see that. And for me, I started with frizzy hair because I have that problem. So with the original frizzy serum, it's a problem and nobody had anything out there at the time. And so that's what started this problem solution because I personally know how much better I felt 
when I had something that helped with my issue. And I think, you know, that's part of the fun too. When we are getting together and working with Dr. Joe, the chemist, and we set something out for him to say, if we could do this, this would be amazing for this group of women out there. And Chris will give his input, I will. And then when you reach that point, it could take a year, it could take three years. It is so rewarding. And when you get the feedback um, online and people are, you know, messaging us, it is just, it's fun also. You feel good. That's what gets you up in the morning, really. You know, we always said, um, the company, that when you make something that matters, you make money. And it's more fun that way. Like some people just set out to make money and that's fine and they figure out their way to do it. But for us, I think both of us, we really set out to make something that mattered and put our whole beings into that. And then naturally, I think if you're working hard and that's your motivation, things do happen for you in the right way, the way you want them to. As a marketer, it's really nice to see and hear this backstory because um, in my day job where I run a, a beauty marketing firm, there's a lot of pressure. Like clients feel a lot of pressure to like jump into engagements because they have to like be part of the party. And um, no one really knows what to do anymore, right? Because <laughs> there's like so many things to do and, you know, not enough resources, yeah. right? So like, you know, in, in general, I think if you're running a brand or like a CMO of a brand, you're kind of like you know, a little overwhelmed, I guess is a nice way of putting it. Um, so it's really just beautiful to hear yes. that this was paced mm-hmm. out, like the right the right size relationship at, you know, the beginning that was allowed to evolve and grow as the business grew. Yeah. And I'm hoping that yeah. some of our listeners who are CMOs will like, you know, be able to take a little bit of a breath that um, you blink and then you're in a relationship between Colorwell and Chris Appleton, but it didn't start out as what we know it is today. No, and, and I will say that when I first saw Chris's portfolio, only Rita Ora was in there. So there's a lot of things that happened since then for Chris. And he is still really, I, I have to say this, he's still the same person. There has been, he was still as annoying in the beginning as he is now. <laughs> I'm, only, I'm only kidding. He has always been the same. No, not at all. He never stops. He never stops. So maybe this rest period for him has got him a little shaky. He's used to be perpetually in motion, as you could see from jumping out of planes and bungee jumping and roller coasters. <laughs> I know girls live in. So I'm, I'm like happy to see you living. The thing is as well, like I think what's really important is for me, it, I was talking about social media and how my Instagram looks. It, it's interesting because like it, I, my social media, I, I love it, but it's also annoying as well because on a personal front, you know, everyone has like a business side, everyone has like a professional side where you showcase. And I know on social media, <clears throat> a lot of people will show where they're at a great event or they're doing something fun. Rarely do we take a sloppy picture at home where we're, you know, looking like crap because we just don't want to take a picture. I actually really like the transition. Everyone's going to come for me right now. Everyone's going, make Instagram, Instagram, whatever. I like that it's becoming more of a video format because to me, it enables you when to do a video to show a little bit more of real life. It's less polished, it's less formulated, and it's just a bit more, I, I, I like, I'm a very visual person. Like, I have dyslexia, I don't, I can't learn. If someone wrote something on a board and said, learn that, write it down, I, it doesn't mean anything to me. But if I spoke about it to someone, I'd be the best about it, because I could bring color to it and, and, and make it come to life. So I think for me, I'm really all about like, a visual concept, and that's why I think the video concept is actually really fun. Um, but I think social media is, I don't even remember what I was talking about. <laughs> what were we talking about? Um, Where was it going? I always go off on these tangents. Well, I'm going to uh, segue us to the next topic because I'm being mindful of time. Um, I've been working through the past five years on this show, and I've noticed that um, as I grow in my own entrepreneurial endeavors and I'm learning from these other leaders in our industry, um, how people define success is like all over the place, right? When I first started my business and in, in this industry, of I totally thought like money equals success. Like that's all. Like I didn't, I didn't think of anything else. It wasn't even a consideration. Um, now I feel like for me, it's like I'm wealthy and flexibility, right? And that's like all that matters. Um, but I'm so curious, like the two of you, you know, in your careers. 
Um, I would imagine that like there's such a seduction of success, you know, through the years in terms of like, you know, starting Gail where you've been and so many different like success stories in the the business side of this. And then Chris and the artistry side, Um, we can start with Gail on this. Like, do you recall times when success seduced you and like called your name and it maybe um, made you have to choose between keep going on this path in this career and maybe how else you live your life beyond your career? Um, I, you know, honestly, I never thought about success. I really, really never did. And I honestly think when I was in college, I think people would never, I might be the least likely to succeed in some ways because I was, you know, sort of jumping from thing to thing. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. But I think when I think about success, for me, it's, having something you do that you really like and you want to put a lot of hours into it. Because if you're working and you're not liking what you're doing and you don't want to dedicate a lot of time to it, that's like wasting, you know, away your life, really. But for me, it's work. It's hard work building a brand. But I really enjoy solving problems. And for me, when we solve a problem, that is success for me. And as we identify problem after problem, and when we finally can crack that problem, that feels like success to me. And it always has. And it, and that's, I think, what's propelled me. I, and I like keep on going to keep on going until we crack something. Or if we can deliver something um, fun in the way we sell our products. You know, even Chris, you know, in the bathtub for Money Mask on the billboard. I loved doing that with you. Do you know what I mean? It was a way to promote a product, but also a little bit in a cheeky way and and, and a memorable way that people could look at and enjoy the image. I'm a very, um, you know, similar to Chris, I'm visual also. And I love creating moments and um, I- images that you don't forget. So it's, I just really like what I'm doing and I like to make a difference to people. Yeah, that's true. And Chris, um, how do you define success today? I don't know. I I don't love that question because what is success really? Everyone's successful in some aspects of their life. I think it's more about happiness for me now. I don't think it's about success. People stop me in the street a lot and it's really odd to me because I'm like, oh, they're like, oh, you're Chris Hampton. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I think, oh, you, you become that guy on social media like that. You know, and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. And they're like, How, you're, you've done so well. Like, you're really successful. And I'm like, oh, okay. But to me, it's like, am I? I've just done, I'm just doing what I did when I was 30. I've always just done what I've done. I just, all of a sudden now, I guess, if you do something long enough and you work hard enough at it and you put enough dedication and passion and love into it, yeah, but you become, if, you, if you're lucky, you get the chance to be successful. But I, don't, I think for me, a successful life is a happy life. It's not about, money comes and goes. And I think for me, the most valuable thing is like having happiness in where I'm at. Because what's the point if you can buy the best house you can afford or you can work with amazing people, but you hate your life? You know, like I think for me, I really just try and focus on being happy, being present, um, being grounded um, and, and feeling grateful. Like I'm grateful every day I wake up in LA and I have the sunshine in and you know, like I'm grateful I have my kids and I can bring them to America to experience a different side of life, the different side of life that I experience. So I don't really think, I think we're all successful. I think we're, I think the best success and the most successful people are the, the ones that are, are make any situation, you know, happy and, and, and have, you know, are grounded. I think what was really good actually for a lot of people, I know it was good for me as well, is uh, COVID. Because it was the first time that we all kind of went back to zero. It didn't matter who you were, it didn't matter what you did, it didn't matter how much money you had, you couldn't buy yourself out of a situation the world shut down and we were all at home. And when you're at home on your own, or when you're at home with people, you know, it's so easy to live separate life. Whereas all of a sudden when you're at home, it's like, this is my life. And, and am I happy with it? And do I, what, you know, we get so lost in the circles of life sometimes 
then I think it's really good just to stop and be grounded. And that's like why I spent this weekend at home, because I'm like, it's actually really good just to be, like not be spinning around, just being in one place and just be grateful for the things you have in your life. So I think that is what successful success means to me. And Gail, last question for this part of the interview before we get into fan questions. Can you tell us about um, the work you do with Boston Children's Hospital and hair raising? Yes, thank you for that question. Uh, my daughter, I had twins, and one of them was born with congenital heart disease. So um, she had to have open heart surgery. She had surgery, closed heart surgery at seven months, and she had to have open heart surgery when she was eight for the first time. And I had checked, it was before the internet. So I had made calls everywhere to find out where to bring her. And all roads led to Boston Children's Hospital. And so I brought her up there uh, for the first time. And there was a doctor up there, Dr. Jim Locke, who had invented something um, that was still being trialed. And it was gonna give my daughter her best chance uh, for life or for good quality of life or for life itself. And anyway, he did the procedure on her. It was very successful. She then had open heart surgery at eight and again at 13 up there and gets monitored by them. And she's had two kids monitored by Boston Children's Hospital too. So I owe so much to them. And it's the number one pediatric hospital in the world. So um, we started hair raising and the salons were so, they're so generous, I think, hairstylists so unbelievably generous. And um, we started it and so many salons joined and they give one day a year where on a Sunday where they open up and they give all of the proceeds to the hospital. So with the salon industry, we've made over a million dollars for the That's hospital. That's amazing. So wow. very proud of that. Gail, if more um, salons want to participate, how do they reach out to show support? They could go to our website, colorwowhair.com, and there's information on there. Great. Thank you for Thank sharing you. that. For our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this interview with Gail and Chris. Please subscribe to our series on your favorite podcast app. And for updates about the show, Follow us on Instagram at Where Brains Meet Beauty Podcast. You'll also find Instagram exclusive content there too. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.